Mac avoid Hamlet. Scottish play. He would have definitely done it. No, the Scottish play is Macbeth. <laughs> it's no, oh, easy done Macbeth. Probably, yeah. He's pretty easily done Macbeth. Yeah, he's done Macbeth. He, look, he, he looks very macbeth he's, yeah. he's so much more. Oh, he did it with Claire Foy. Oh, as Lady Macbeth. Oh, that sounds good. Nice. I would have liked that. What year? Um, 2013. Mm. Oh, so, right. okay, yeah. yeah. I would fancy that. <laughs> I take it all back. Why are you talking like you're a geezer at the pub? I about don't know. 10 year old play. I, I love the bit of that. James McAvoy, Macbeth. Claire Foy, Lady Macbeth. Oh, the bit where she can't wash the blood off her hands. I love that. Last week? No, it was a short sleeve version. Of that same shirt? It's similar. <laughs> it's rust. <laughs> Rusted. It's a colour called rust. Copper. You're like, mm, this is good, but you know what this needs? It's sleeves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you've, you've rolled it up anyway. For the winter. I, I see. always kind of just like keep the hands. You know, I need to, I need to, when I talk, I need to bring this over here. The cuffs would get in the and way. I gotta, of that. I gotta swap the fly. Yeah. Swap the fly yeah, as I like talk. Yeah. yeah. What do I do? Uh, you, sometimes you do the the the, four, the forehead, the brow, white, the brow white, because I'm you know, thinking so hard. And you go, James, <laughs> I just, I, you know, yeah, yeah. These they're talking about films. It really takes it out of us. It does. We it's talk from the physical, soul. It's a physical. Really act. do. So um, two weeks ago, my mum, who catches up on the podcast fairly intermittently, um, but always like she seems to binge them. She goes like off for a couple of weeks, then she goes and she binges some from ages ago. Mm. She calls me up out of nowhere. She goes, James, James, George is right. Oh, yeah. George is right. About most things. And I was like, okay, you need to be more like what? Like about right about what? She's like, the water, the kettle. And I was like, what about it? She's like, no, you've got hard water in your kettle. You do. And that's the problem with the tea. And she's referring to the conversation where you talked about tea, I want to say three, four months ago, maybe yeah, now. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And I was like, okay. She's like, I just listened to it, James. You've got to get your water filter. You've got to get your water filter. I was like, okay, well, yeah, sure. So because of your complaining, my mum went out, bought me a water filter, <laughs> got, became hyper fixated on it for weeks. Like, James, I've got your water filter. I was yeah. like, okay, thank you. Like, when can I give it to you? I was like, well, when, thank you, mum. Whenever you want yeah. to give it to me. And then she gave it to me. She, I actually forgot to, I went home the other day. She gave it to me. I forgot to actually take it back with me. So she came and drove especially oh, wow. to bring it to me. She's like, okay, Delivers. now George will have the, the, the nicer water. I'm like, he will be very pleased. So George, it's, how is the tea? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say, I, th- thank you, Sarah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's great. Who doesn't want to have filtered water? You do have hard water here. Mm. We have hard water all throughout London. I mean, I, I must of... say, I don't think when we talked about tea, I don't think I laid any blame at you or your flat. I no. think I might have observed that the water was hard. But but... I, I, off, off air, we've discussed the water in my, in my tap takes a good yeah. 20 seconds to start running water that doesn't taste foul. I it's think... just the old building, old Pipes. I feel like you get pipe water. Yeah, and I would say that Terry, the tea is much better. Thank you Terry very much. The tea. Terry, the tea <laughs> is much better. See, that's where you're wrong. Terry, the, the tea. tea. She knows about water. Um, I will say that I don't think I. I didn't warp. This mug is a very thick ceramic mug, which means it does. It, it you know it's it get sucks the sucks a lot of the the heat out, of it. and I should have heated it up. At, but I was talking to you, and it got too late in yeah. the boil. So, um, but it's fine. But uh, I have looked in your kettle, and yeah. we're halfway there now because we're getting we, there. The water filter is great. However, your kettle deeply, deeply needs descaling. Yeah. So I'm going to bring next week if I can remember some descaler. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can use homemade bicarbonate soda. I look vinegar. forward in three months. My mum called and be like, James, George is right. You need the a new kettle. <laughs> you need a <laughs> new kettle. 
Slowly but surely, I'm going to make sure through my complaining that you get a new kitchen. <laughs> yeah. From yeah. your mum. You one item at a time. You need a new one. <laughs> you need a new one. Um, but Terry, much appreciated. And you know, if any other fans listening would like to donate uh, you know, household appliances. She was so hyper fixated on it. If you ever came to my house and had a tea, my mum would like make sure that it was. Silence. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she would be, so, she'd be like triple filled. You'd get, you'd get Evian. You like, it would be like in Phantom Thread where Reynolds Woodcock comes in to observe <laughs> yeah. the dress and they all stand in silence. Yeah. And I would just, you were the finest the China. Just, yeah. You'd be like Miranda Priestley, like we heard that one time she smiled in late 1998. <laughs> but pursed lips is a bad, is a bad mm. one. Mm. So thank you for that, I, um, Terry. I really appreciate the tea. You um, put the tea in Terry. Yeah. Do you mind me saying your mum's name on, on, on the show? It's too late. She's going she's gonna to branch out now and have yeah. her own influencer channel. Of Press like, going through the bins tomorrow yeah. outside, outside our family home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People will be like going through... What tea do they use? Yeah. What, do, what, what? So does James often make you buy stuff for him? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Brief, Mr. How Brief. broke is he? Yeah. <laughs> You're buying pulp a new kitchen. Yeah. That's, that's the headline. Yeah. Pulp, Looks pulp like pulp needs, needs a new, new kitchen. kitchen. <laughs> Drunken night out, shock horror all over the news. Yeah. Yeah. Me stumbling out of a limo with Kate Moss. Yeah. Unrelated, yeah. but. Kitchen appliances, get in touch. I mean, let's talk about the new kitchen. Let's, you know, let's make we'll it happen. Anything. Yeah. We'll take anything. We're open to collaborating with any brands. Absolutely. Even if they are obliquely related to our show. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Welcome to episode 88, 88. of Pulp Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Crazy 88. And I say that because last week we did a bonus episode about Tarantino, which you can go listen to. Mm. It's on the feed. Check it out. Yes, go and check that out if you week. haven't. Please if go you and see to that. check that out. There's bonus yeah. every week now, guys. Yeah, we're, we're, we're cooking them out. If you, if you eat your food in the Pulp Kitchen and fancy some seconds, go help yourself. There's some every week. We just leave it out for you and then... Yeah. With... Yeah. with with a some day like and a kitchen half roll worth, yeah. over it to make sure it doesn't dry out or get yeah. flies on it. Foil you could, tea yeah, towel. Foil, and then, that's old oh, tea towel. That's yeah, yeah, like on top mu- of the foil. Your mum's like left to, it out again. Yeah. Probably your mum. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're sitting on a roast chicken, you want it to like mm. keep the moisture. And you in. lift it up and you still get a waft of the smoke. Yeah. Go, oh, this pop kitchen's still good for a week. That's exactly what the bonus is like. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was full, but you know, yeah, I can like eat a bit more. Roast potatoes in a little uh, little Tupperware. And yes, they've lost their crispiness, but they've gained something else. But we've left the oven on. For you to yeah. put it back in. Yeah, yeah rev it up. Yeah. So talked, yeah. George yeah. talked about Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and, and Inglorious um, Bastards, which would, yeah, you're very good at not dropping the bastards. I like think a radio in, presenter. I think Inglorious also just kind of works. Like, yeah. I don't need to always say Inglorious Bastards. I, speaking of radio, I, um, I, I, re- I picked up on the fact that the uh, alerting the listener to sirens is a radio news phenomenon. Because if if you're on a radio news program and let's say you cut to an interview at Westminster and sirens go by, the radio host has to say to people who might be driving, sirens on our end. Mm. But it's very much our thing now. It's our thing, yeah. I think I think like I think other, I've heard other I've heard other it. people who do audio stuff say like, oh, those that lawyers was on our side. We should copyright the phrase so no one <laughs> yeah. on broadcasting media across the world yeah. can say sirens on but our I, end. But I did hear on uh, Radio One or Radio Four, it was a news thing. It was like the sirens were coming from our side, well, our side of the broadcast. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's and apologies there. And also, what I like is when someone accidentally swears, and I'll say, apologies there for the excitable language. Yeah. Uh, apologies <laughs> yeah. there for the profanity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Moving on, even stuff that's really mild. I'm like, all right, oh. Okay. Crap. Oh, apologies there for the profanity. Yeah, no, yeah come on. Who's I that? love the delivery of British news. It's it's so dry and so depressing. But when I've been away, especially to America, mm. I love the... And we'll be following that story closely. Yeah, I'm Beth Rigby, 
and will be here. It's tempered with a slight peppering of, you know, there might be bigger news. We're not going to get overexcited yeah. about this news. Whereas American news is everything is yeah. big. Everything is loud. Whereas this is kind of like, this has happened yeah. today, but tomorrow there'll be more news. Yeah, 45 dead. And that's very ITV news, I would say, actually. Who am I well. doing there? It's, it's say, always the, we, we turn up, but really stories come to a close. See, I associate that, we're getting really into it now. Yeah. I associate that with very much ITV. If you look at the ITV presenters, whereas yeah. BBC is slightly more inquisitive. And you've mm. got BBC presenters on the Sky news, news is sort of Sky a little bit news more. Is direct, speaking to you live here yes. from Kandahar. Yeah. And Harry and Meghan walking down the Royal yeah. Parade. Whereas it's a little bit more, I think, like curious with BBC. It's like, yeah. only a few months ago, walking down the parade. Yes. Harry and Meghan. Also, you've got to do the, the and, BBC and sorry, radio the fan, voices are very the different. The Sky as News well. fan really amps up that. Oh, like, yeah. Sorry, you're saying. Mm, um, no, I was going <laughs> to say the radio ones are also very different. Yeah. And it's like, you know, because you have music, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And over to the 930 News. <laughs> Hello, it's the 9.30 News here with Harvey Cook. The and governor of the Bank of studio. England has yeah. liked to do this. Um, again, I will refer people to a great section in the second series of The Trip where Rob mm. Ryden and Steve Coogan talk about the way your death yes. would like to be announced. <laughs> and it's like, uh, actors, yeah, yeah. You, you want, the way it will probably be done will be when you hear the actor and comedian, Steve Coogan, you go, oh, you know he's died. Yes. But, but that's a nice way. And, and then there's also, uh, the one you don't want to hear is the actor and comedian, Steve Coogan. He's, like, yeah. oh, he's done something <laughs> he bad. He's done something bad. Post-death, something's come and out. It, and if you're just the alive, it's just like- The actor and writer, Steve yeah. Coogan. The actor and comedian, Steve Coogan, you yeah. know, you're, going, you're going on. Um, Intonation of uh, how you like rise and fall and where your voice lands and mm. stops, it, it completely changes it's the tone skill. of everything. Yeah, I've also learned about the inter, I don't know what you, uh, program announcers on the BBC, you know, who go, you know, like the guy goes on the, when they have the interstitial kind of... Uh, and coming up next, will he have? Yes. Yeah. Or it's like, there's one guy in particular, me and my brother like always reference it with each other. It's like the, next up, it's Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah. Tess Daly has got a little problem. You know, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like, it is, but it's a personality yeah. to get you ready. And Whereas you've got the Ian Sterling, which is, tonight, Laura is <laughs> yeah. going to be in in Casa, blah, blah, blah. They all have their own so little, their little places, yeah. yeah. That's a little slice of British TV for you all, Radio. especially if you're an international yeah. listener. Mm. You can you can go to parties now and be like, look out for them on well, the news. I was listening on a podcast about British. Uh, what you don't want to say is actor and comedian. You said that like Christopher Nolan. No, well, you don't no, want to say, of course, yeah. is about these sort of bucolic kind actor of reference. Actor and director. Have Steve you Keegan. seen? Also, I like the fact that Chris Nolan is also a kind of a man out of time because he he's yeah. aged he ages quite well. Yeah. He's had the same haircut and outfit same for outfit. twenty years. Yeah, always. Blazer, blue shirt, maybe a beige card, beige waistcoat underneath. Yeah. God knows what he wears in winter. I just realized that um, Ryan Gosling as Ken looks almost the same as Ryan Gosling in Place Beyond the Pines. Bleach blonde hair, oh, wow. like the sort of shirt, ripped shirt off, like mm. denim gilet, like a little <gasps> bit more edgy and rustic. I would say, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, like it's the Place Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines, Ryan Gosling is Ken if he couldn't get back to Barbie land. Yeah, If he totally. gets stuck in the real world. He's just one he like teardrop tattoo. Revving his bike yeah, like, He's on bikes and horses. He's committing a life of crime. Oh it's my God. Set, he's got yeah. the exact same blonde haircut. Yeah. Obviously it's Ryan Gosling's hair, but like bleach blonde, both have mm. qualities of being very attractive in their own yeah. way. But it's sort of more of a bad boy. Ken. And oh, I, I looked at it because I saw Barbie again. I was like, like Ken with the the fur long oh, yeah. coat. And I was like, that fur coat just needs a little bit of a, a, a trim. And, yeah. and then he's straight and with the headband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pines. And also that, there's the point where you're watching the place beyond the pines. Then you get about, I don't know, 35 minutes in. You go, 
wait, is this the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this set in yeah. the 80s? <laughs> it's just, it's just one Ben Mendelssohn going, no, I want you to oh, do oh, yeah, yeah, from was, turning into place on the fire. I was uh, under well flawed, but interesting film. They're very interesting, very beautifully shot. Mm. There's that scene with um, Gosling and Mendes with the baby, like montaging through different periods, which is very beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I've, like I've always remember watching. Oh, they're going for like a big Greek tragedy, yeah. chaptered, different protagonists, slice through of, life. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Let's get on with some current films. We, this week, are talking about two films. We're talking about Teenage Mutant, Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. Mutant Mayhem, and we're yes. talking about Gran Turismo, both films based off existing IP that I feel like are kind of sort of in the murky depths of pop culture, not necessarily mm. been at the forefront of pop culture, but are being dragged through into a new film. And we're going to review those films now. James, Teenage Mutant, Ninja Turtles... Mm. Where do you sit with that in the, in the world of pop culture? Not very much. I'd, I'd never felt like I was into it as a kid. Or it was really sort of given to me much as a kid. I remember the first thing I really interacted with them was the, I want to say 2007 uh, live, not live action, animated, like, like animated TMNT, film, yeah. which I thought was kind of not amazing, but mm. I remember seeing it I probably for a friend's birthday party, mm. like that kind of thing. But I've not really been that into it. I've not seen the older films. Yeah, same. Um, I, I think for me, it kind of holds a similar space to like Power Rangers, which is like, yeah, I know it's there. It's actually was big just, bef- I think, five years before we were born, like early 90s. I remember the 80s. presence of Power Rangers more strongly than I do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, no, I do. And I actually, yeah. I used to watch Power Rangers on yeah. Fox Kids. Yes. And I used to, massive tangent here, but I used to love, I, even though I can remember some of the storylines, even though it was yeah. pretty naffly put together, and every series of Power Rangers, it would be a new cast and a new setting and a new villain, right? Right. But there would always be one episode of every series where they would bring back some of the cast of the previous series and it'd be mm. like, a, wait, you're so-and-so. And it's like, yes. They did the multiverse before it was cool. Yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were right there. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I agree. I, I've always known about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as like a very iconic, distinctive bunch of characters. And I've heard really good things about like certain storylines and like comic books that have spun off. Yeah. I've always been like, oh, that looks cool. I'm not sure I'm going to get into it. I've also got the impression that it was always bigger in America than here. I thought so too. So I I did a little look back for those who aren't familiar or aren't as connected. You know, you might be aware of it. But so originally started as a, a comic book series in the late 80s. And then they got a toy deal and through merchandising, the toy deal did very, very successfully. Hugely popular action. Merchandising. Yeah, hugely successful action <laughs> figure. And off the back of the action figures, then they did a hugely popular animated series yes, that would last it. about 10 years. And I think I remember catching it a bit when I was a kid. Mm. You also had a couple of live action films based off of that where you had people like Corey Feldman in rubber latex turtle suits yes. um they did three of those I all of them the i will be frank with the eyes yeah like, p- they look quite the scary now <laughs> yeah. um uh, they judging by the rotten tomatoes rating they all look terrible um then after that you sorry had... it's, that, it's that weird moment where visual effects weren't where they were but no. like sort of we would have lent into more like costume yeah. but it's not quite found it's very dated now yeah. it's very very dated and you know you had a vanilla ice wrap called uh, go ninja go uh, yeah. in tied in with the second film then you had like a bit of a hiatus then they came back with the animated mm. film you just said tmnt and then they rebooted it into a uh, very Michael Bay produced. Yes, Michael Bay one. Uh, you know, um, Megan Fox. With Megan Fox, and it was CGI. It looked exactly action. like Transformers minus yeah, robots. Was it directed by Bay? Or just I don't produced? think it was. I think it was just produced. Yeah. They, they, they did two. They did 2014 and another one in 2016, Out of they the Shadows. And I, they, they just looked 
terrible, very much like the last dregs of like the Transformers bubble. Yeah. And uh, I remember they were turning it up in like Vodafone adverts, I think, a couple of years ago. Like that's just this sort of detritus of pop culture. Yeah. And I was aware that they didn't really have a place. But now we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which is um, kind of, it's a reboot. It's a completely animated film developed by Seth Rogen and... Oh, his, his other thank you at Point Grey and, and bringing in Jeff Rowe as director. Jeff Rowe directed a film called I think it was Mitchell's and the Mitchell's and the Machines, yeah. uh, which was on Netflix, which I heard really good things about. Yeah, and there's been a lot of buzz around this and being like, okay, we're gonna not just like make a new one, but we really want to reboot this and bring it back into you know uh, contemporary audience. And so the plot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just uh, briefly summarized, is that you know. We get a prologue set up where, as we kind of know, some radioactive MacGuffin ooze was leaked into the sewer. And um, I don't know how these four turtles slash tortoises came to be in the, um, in the sewer, but they make contact with it and it transforms them and makes them grow. And similarly, Splinter the rat discovers these four tortoises and he becomes into contact and he sort of, you know... <laughs> Uh, swoles up a little bit um and you have these then splinter the rat has to look after these four turtles together and raise them and you know we have a great little montage that cuts through that and he's also talking about their relationship with the outside world and obviously they live in the sewers and splinter's saying you can't i, I don't want you going to the outside world it's very dangerous and stuff you must live in the shadows you must live with me and now that they are teenagers the boys are very obedient, but they, they sneak out to, to get groceries. That's their thing. But they have to be using their ninja skills. Mm. They stick to the shadows, get their, get their, get their food and, and come back. But obviously, the more they go out, the more they see. And they're constantly wrestling with this growing up. You know, this, this idea of actually maybe there's more outside. We've always been fascinated by it. And, you know, Leonardo, the kind of de facto leader, is very obedient, wants to be, you know, loyal to their... their you know, pseudo father and, and get back then you know Raphael is a bit more uh you know rambunctious wants to now ah, i want to want to get out there and then the others kind of it's very all conflicted and they <laughs> they see glimpses of not just human life but teenage human life and young human life that really appeals to them um and that's the kind of crux they want to get and they're starting to realize when they realize there's some sort of various plot crime MacGuffin happening that maybe if they used their skills that they've learned not to defend themselves, but actually to do acts of heroism, like all superheroes, then maybe that might redeem themselves in uh, the eyes of the, the human populace. Mm. It's a coming of age story mm. interwoven with a superhero story. Yeah. Again, standing in the, the shadow of Across the Spider-Verse. Anyway, you know, they've, they've gone for this very... Um, 2D, it's a 2D, you know, 2D animation, but also like sketchbook style. And um, they said they want, they really want to lean into the idea of the, of the look and feel of the visual of the film to be like uh, a concept art. Mm. So when there are explosions, you can see the scribbles and the, the scraggles and stuff. And, nice. and that's, you know, very, it, uh, visually it's, it's really great. And actually on the whole, the visual presentation of the whole film was really striking and really fun. And, it probably uh, works well when you're thinking about like, like exactly. Turtles and in New York. Exactly. And they said they wanted to harken it back to like the cartoons and, and what people enjoyed about that and the, you know, the animated series. And Seth Rogen said that, you know, it's such a wacky concept, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it actually, originally with the comics, you know, took inspiration and also parodied superhero narratives, specifically Daredevil, but also brought in like the funny side of like Howard the Duck and things like that. Yeah. 
And Seth Rogen has said, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there actually was never much emphasis on the teenage, teenage part of it. It was always just about the fact that they were really good at, you know, their martial arts. Yeah. And the fact that they were turtles, right? Although I'm pretty sure they should be tortoises. They don't have fins. They have... Think, yeah, they had opposable things. I'm not... I don't think they quite roll off the tongue. I'm, I'm 30 years too late to fight this battle, but... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't also have the same ring, no. <laughs> um, so he said, I wanted to make like a, a, something that emphasizes coming of age. And Seth, Seth Rogen was like, you know, I made... I got into the movie business making and writing a coming of age film with Superbad. I want to yeah. kind of expand that. So great. Um, and that's definitely, you know, set in that sphere and targeted at a, teen, a teenage market. Um, obviously, when you talk about a film like this, I think the, it stands in the shadow of something like Spider-Verse, yeah. which has come before it. And it's a hard thing to be in the presence of. I think, I, think, I, think, I think it's opened audiences up to more inspiring kinetic animation. Um, so here we have it. We have a voice cast, James. Get this for a cast's mm. countdown. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. We have... <clears throat> Paul Rudd, nice. Post Malone, Hannibal Burris, Ice Cube, Jackie Chan, Giancarlo Esposito, Rose Byrne, Seth Rogen, John Cena, Maya Rudolph, Ayo Edebiri, uh, and actually four teenagers as the voices of the of yeah. the you know the central four brothers, which is great. Who does Seth Rogen play in it? Seth Rogen is Bebop. I think he's a rhino. Yeah, I think he's okay. one of the, a, a familiar character. If yeah, you, yeah, if you follow it uh, closely. So what is there to say about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Look, I mean, it's a 90-minute film, and it, it absolutely is one for a younger audience. There's no, there's no denying that. And I, when I went to see it, I was very accepting the fact that I was like, this hasn't been made for me. I saw it, there was loads of kids, all boys. Actually, I think all their sisters had gone to see Barbie yeah. um, uh, in my screening. And yeah, I think on the whole, it's, a really, it's, it's fun, it's light, it's very charming. It's a little perhaps maybe unmemorable. I couldn't say it really stayed with me, but again, I'm not the target audience. Mm. I think that what it has going for it is just great visuals um, and it gets the heart right. I think it really, it's got a real personality about them as a family, these four brothers and their relationship with Splinter. You know, the, the mutant rat that looks after them who's voiced by Jackie Chan. Yeah. And there are some really well-directed like fight scenes and, 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 and energetic stuff. I think that a couple of times the it falls into the trap of adult joke, kid joke, adult joke, kid yeah. joke. And, uh, which is, can be quite jarring because even as an adult, they'll say a joke for an adult and I'll think, oh, but how's that playing? Mm, that's weird because you were just doing stuff for the other part of the audience. Yeah. And they were, then they'll make jokes for the kids then they'll think, mm, stick to that. I think a couple of times it leans a little too heavily on pop culture references. Right. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's dated, cool, but... but a little bit dated and also it just feels a little forced. Um, I think that when Seth Rogen said he, he wanted to make it all about being a teenager, I, I think that's great. Sometimes I think it's best when it's lower teens, when it, when it knows that it's like a 13-year-old and that's still mm. quite heartfelt and wholesome and has an influence of kids' films in there, but it's a little bit more energetic. Whereas I think sometimes Seth... I mean, Seth Rogen didn't you know, obviously direct it, but I think that sometimes they also want to have their cake and eat it and play to like a 17-year-old crowd and they put loads of hip-hop in there. It's great, great soundtrack. Mm. But some, some of the jokes and some of the kind of styling sometimes, I think it, it's like... You, you know, sometimes... Have you ever met like... Or when we were kids, do you remember like you'd sometimes meet a 13-year-old who thought they were 15 and 16 yeah, yeah. and play up a bit? And sometimes I felt like saying to the film, is like, you can... You can be 13. Be it's okay. Right, Act yeah. your age. You, can, you, can, you don't have to play up. Fine. But very minor stuff because uh, ultimately it was very, very breezy. Yeah. Very fun. Um, Do you think I, your non-existent 13-year-old would like to see it? 
I, my non-existent authority. Yeah. I would be interested to hear from people. We, I know we have listeners, some listeners who have kids, if what they thought about it. I mean, there were kids in ours who were quite restless. Yeah. I, don't, I think that's just because they'd had probably about uh, a national country's worth of sugar going into it. <laughs> it's uh, part of the experience. Part of the experience. I, so yeah, it's, it's not, it doesn't, it's not as heartfelt or as soaring or as, as I don't think as deep, frankly, or mm. as sharp as something like Across the Spider-Verse. Mm. But it's definitely, I definitely felt immediately like this is the appropriate way of presenting these characters. Yeah. I feel like no live action, no generic Hollywood blockbuster like the, the Michael Bay ones. Just just a, a, a heartfelt cartoon works works best. It's interesting like in the last, you know, six months doing the podcast, seeing film, like you and me seeing films as 28 year olds, 29 year olds that mm. are marketed clearly for a much younger audience. Mm. And then you've got some films which are very universal. Like there are a lot of Pixar films that, lots of grown-ups want mm. to see just because they're animated as like you know inside out is an example that has like appeal to like mm. all ages and then i remember seeing little mermaid and i was a little bit like my criticism of, of the film was sort of how does it work for anyone it doesn't yeah. seem to like service that but it's very long and sort of goes mm. into too much detail for a young person to enjoy and then seeing barbie again uh the other day I, it was just, it was a comment you made that like towards the end of our reviews a couple of weeks ago where it's like it's not actually for kids no and it's like there's actually not a lot of references yeah. that kids would get and again i was like these little boys watching it in front of me like i'm not going to get a lot of this yeah. like, visually it's very enticing but so it's interesting to like mm. watch a film and go it's not for me but does it work for the young kids? that's the thing i would i'd be interested to know if it, if it works for for younger generation but i think at 90 minutes given how sort of visual and fun it is and, and yeah. alive it is uh, I think people have fun. It's not. Yeah. It's not that deep. Hasn't got that much yeah. going on underneath, but it doesn't need to. Um, I think. I think the, the most successful part of it is the fact that I do feel like it is a. It, it has successfully taken a dormant IP, mm. a kind of aimless IP, and recontextualized it and put it into a form that actually works. Yeah. So. I, if they continue, I'm, they'll do sequels. The brand, yeah, they will yeah. do sequels. Yeah, it's, it's very brand appropriate. And yeah. I think you're on the right track here. If you continue to do this, people might reconnect with it. That's yeah, that's maybe it. It seems to have like swung for different types of styles. Like, yeah. The Bay, the purely animated, the yeah. sort of nightmare costume, or this feels like a good... This feels like the it's taken 30 years to find the right medium. Yeah. So. Like, for example, like, we saw the trailer for the new Trolls film. Right. And it's like, it's all very colorful and this, like, but no, nothing about it makes me want to go and see it. I'm like, no. this is just not for me. Yeah. Doesn't, uh, the jokes don't seem for me. The palette doesn't seem for me. Yeah. I, I'm very, I'm very happy to be wrong. But it's I, interesting that like taste sense of what would be for me. I think also maybe with superhero films, I'm starting to get the impression that actually like really great animation versions are actually more interesting. Yeah, and and the possibilities are kind of more limitless. Yeah, with I would rather see a Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness animated oh, film yeah. than I would half animated yeah. like, or like, like Ant-Man can you imagine yeah. what you would have been able to have done if it was yeah. animated like, that would have been really... just how much better it would have looked and felt and yeah then yeah. some turgid people stood on a green screen <laughs> yeah. um, anyway so that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, yeah. guys have you seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Teenage <laughs> I just my brain just went <laughs> Mutant Ninja Turtles and you had thoughts please send them into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com we would love to hear your impressions of that on the show I think it's got a little dash of Deadpool in there as well yeah okay nice in a non in a not obnoxious way yeah and like the whole spider-verse thing would have probably really yeah, given it it's got that in there yeah. they, they they reading about the production they put loads of they said oh we, we were drawing on all these influences and i'm like yeah. well that's great don't see all of that in there but, but yeah yeah and spider-verse works for i think anyone at any age which yeah. is what's so great about it again i've only seen one but yes you need to catch up yeah i know i do anyway there we go 
George Gran Turismo is out. Mm. It's a film directed by Neil Blomkamp, mm. who we will know from District 9, mm. Elysium, mm. Um, Chappie. Mm. District 9, a film I thought, I, I'm still waiting for him to just make a District 10. Like, what's he yeah. doing? <laughs> Come on, like, that was such a huge hit. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was found footage when found footage was, like, oh, really hot I at the time. It was found footage. It yeah. was, but I was definitely one of the better found footage films of that era. It's great. It slaps. It's, it's a really it's great It's such film. a cool universe, and I, 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 I've only seen it once, oh, but really? I remember yeah. the, the, the feel of it, the grittiness, the grunginess, feeling really distinct. Not nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. And uh, I did see Elysium, which I thought was okay. And then I, I started Chappie, but never really finished it because I didn't really hear great things. I heard, but yeah, on the whole, I've heard diminishing returns from Neil Blum. And there was that alien film that he was originally, oh, which everyone would have loved. Yeah, I would have loved attached that. to do this. Instead that never happened. And we got Covenant. Covenant instead, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you'd asked me, I think I said this to you the other day, what I thought Neil Blomkamp would be doing for his next film, yeah. I wouldn't have gone for like studio, mm. PlayStation, marketing style mm. film. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it feels like like when a director goes you know there's one for me and then there's one for them yeah it feels like it's what it's one of those kinds of films for for neil blomkamp does it feel like he's just trying to rebuild his trust from the studios and be like look give me a safe property that i'll do my bit of flair with maybe like maybe okay. who, who am i to say that that's what it is but you know i sort of was like, i remember seeing the trailer for gran turismo we were actually at a screening for sisu when we mm. saw some footage of it and it was someone we spoke to someone and it was like oh it's based on a true story and i was mm. like oh that's kind of cool like I'm lo- i don't really follow racing because i would have was- assumed it was the playstation for anyone who doesn't know gran turismo is a sort of legacy playstation series it's sort of a first party series developed by polyphony digital and it's much more of a racing simulator game than it is like an arcadey racer like need for speed or mm. burnout it's like very much into the details. You're doing the clutch, you're doing the gears, you can fine tune every single part of it. It's always been known to have like amazing graphical fidelity, mm. always been a showcase for the PlayStation, but it's always been, you know, some people would say it's not a game. It's actually a simulator that you interface with right. in a game. I've never really been into it, but I've always admired it from afar for what it is. And this is uh, a plot that I think only works for a film because it's true. Right. If this had been like an actual plot for a film, I would have gone, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But because it's true, it's a really like incredible, hmm. unbelievable true story that has obviously been dramatized and hmm. sort of fleshed out in a film. But I'm like, this is actually crazy that hmm. this happened. Um, and it's the story of Jan Mardenborough, who is a racing driver. And looking at the story, it's amazing because you can see this like clear-cut hero's journey mm. that happened in real life that really works for a film. And it's a story that's so unbelievable and so hard to think that it would exist that I think it's a shame it mostly falls into very generic and safe territory mm. as a film. Like, it's an incredible story, but well, we have this very like... Standard sports story. Standard sports story. Um it's, is, it's a film that I think for a lot of it, I was like, God, this is like um, advertising as cinema. I had mm. this real overwhelming feeling when I left to go home and play on my PlayStation 5. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's just like overwhelmingly there. Uh, the story is, uh, Yam, Mard- Yam Mardenborough is a guy who's you know, in his late teens and he's, not, he's, he's very lost, but what he's really good at is playing Gran Turismo in his room. He's got a full racing seat and he just bought himself a new steering wheel and he's really, really good at that game. And one of the amazing things about the game is that it has all of the great racing tracks of the world perfectly recreated, mm. like Silverstone, like Le Mans, like, mm. uh, you know, others. Uh, the others. Yeah. And um, so he's actually technically 
had more clocked more hours on all of these tracks than any professional ever would mm. because yes it's in a game but the feel of the entire engine is real and how the cars handle and the response to the steering wheel he's actually like knows the tracks really well and you know his dad played by Jumon Hounzu is slightly concerned that he's spending all of this time on, on this on this game Classic, it's never going to go anywhere father, yeah. I mean the worry of every parent watching their mm. kid you know waste their life on a video game and um Orlando Bloom plays a plucky marketing, like freelancer consultant, but works for Nissan, who's sort of, you know, barely making it to the meeting, doing his tie on Classic. the way there. And he has this idea, which is completely insane. Again, the fact that it's true means yeah. that it's, it's interesting, where uh, they need to rejuvenate uh, this whole idea of Nissan being at the forefront of racing. And they're going to use the game of Gran Turismo to find the best players in the world. Right. Get them to win. Whoever wins that competition gets to the chance to train as a real racer and race on a track as part of this huge marketing exercise for Nissan. And he recruits uh, David Harbour's character, who actually works for a different team, but who is like a wearied former racing driver himself who has a past, a, a mistake that was made. Oh, but really? you'll have to ask him about that. The, the chiseled coach. Yes. Uh, we oh know a little God. bit, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit balding, patchy beard, yeah. but he really knows his stuff and he knows how to look for talent. And David Harbour says, that's absolutely crazy. Do you have any idea how yeah. dangerous it is to get gamers who aren't fit? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Jan, uh, gets himself to to the to the to the dis digital online mm. race wins it gets selected with a group of people who all compete to become racers and he goes on to like have this incredible journey through the racing system um look it has a script that especially in the first half i really struggled with right. it has it's a dialogue that is pretty rough and pretty bad you know orlando bloom yeah he's british mm. and you've got no idea what these guys are capable of yeah and you know I can't remember David Harper's that character's name. You know, something happened to him, but you'll have to ask him about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's this moment where Jan is talking to his childhood crush and they're like, you know, their kid, again, like teenage dialogue, really hard to, oh, not teenage, like young adult dialogue, really hard to do, where she's like, what is it about driving that you love so much? And he's like, you know, like when you're in the car, yeah, I'm still, but I'm really moving. Uh, so if you, could, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? I don't know, maybe Japan. Wow. And it's just like, wow, this is, this is, I was really, really struggling with it. Flat, one dimensional, on the nose. <sighs> Especially in the first Lack half. Of nuanced dialogue, I think yeah. the longer it went on, the more and more it really started to win me over, like when more of the driving happened. Okay. I think all the driving and all the races are choreographed really well. It's exciting, it's exhilarating. Before the final race happened, the movie had a real great sense of anticipation and hype. And I, especially towards the end, a lot of my concerns for the first half were really gone and I was matching the movie's energy mm. and I did really have fun with it. Um, there's some really fantastic graphical visuals to do with, like there's, there's all these great sound stuff. So when um, the race is going, you get the sort of like FPV drone shot from, from above, which I thought was the best FPV, I've seen, uh, first person view. So Thank there's you. like standard drone shots, which are very stationary, FPV, um, it sort of like flies like the shot of a bird. It sort yeah. of really zooms across and I thought it was done really well. I usually hate FPV shots, but these were really well okay. done. Um, it has this thing where it sort of stops the action and brings up this interface. And you hear the sound, the, the PlayStation 5 home screen sound, which I really appreciate. Mm. Again, I'm being marketed to, but I was like, oh, that's like the sound mm. you would use. And it shows like the positions and where everyone is graphically. And I was like, that really works. I have context now for where we are in the race. Great. 
And there's this really cool moment. There's two shots that I thought were really well done where when he's playing in his bedroom, he goes into this like flow state, focus mode, where even though he's in a racing seat, the whole world around him changes and this digital 3D car Mm. comes in his bedroom because for him, it's just the same as driving a car. Mm. And then similarly, there's this other moment on the track where he needs to get his head in the game and it's all too overwhelming. And this this amazing graphical, almost like... um, like a hundred thousand pieces of the car separate, mm. and and he's actually still just in his bedroom mm. racing, but he's on the track. And it was one of the coolest CG shots I've seen in a really long time. I thought it was really really well done. Um, David Harbour, I think, is fantastic and really carries a lot of the dialogue. And it, it really struggles in the first half to get you to be really invested in this crazier than real life story. Mm. It did have two really great moments where I was like, that is really heartfelt. And that those those two scenes right there really worked. There's one with Jimon Hounzu and, and Jan where he sort of talks about, you know, how he never really supported him. And it's a moment that really took me by surprise. I was like, that really worked. Mm. And this fantastic moment where David Harbour like picks Aaron up after something really bad that happens. And I was like, oh, that mm. dynamic, their chemistry is really great. So in so many ways, it's a shame that it falls into really like heavily stenciled generic territory. And this, I'm not the first person to use this analogy, but it's like all these films are like coloring book outlines yes. and we've just colored them in. I can see exactly what we're, mm. we're making and we're just coloring it in a Gran Turismo color paint. Yeah. But there are elements of it that really work. And, and the less it talked, the more it raced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The more I was like, this is really fun and I'm really liking it. I think David Harvey's really gay, great. Archie Madekwes, I think, you know, good as Jan. It's a really cool, true story. Mm. It's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of logos. There's yeah. a lot of fantastic ad for the game. Mm. And I wasn't very much aware that this is an ad for a game. Yeah. But I had enough fun with it. So a kind of despite being a very flat, generic, one-dimensional thing, it sort of actually managed to have a pulse by the end. Yeah. And, and then you come actually, out of it, you're like, I have seen that story so many times. Yeah. I suppose sports movies are made in the third act. Yes. And this kind of came together for you. For and, and the race, the racing is great. Nice, like, sort of little rivalries between someone else. Is it too long? And it's like, maybe a little bit. Okay. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't have it. I wasn't adjusting yeah, myself right, in yeah. my seat. It was good. You know, there's a real, real attempt to, like, you know, communicate the stakes. It's like, you know, in a game, if you fail, you just reset. And here, you know, you don't know the energy of the car and the weight and how physically, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. Top Gun Maverick. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. It's like, it really you is have heard that. Before. I've really heard it yeah, We weren't born yesterday. So yeah. like coming out of it with my mate, we were like, we both were like, I've seen that film before, but a lot of elements about it were very well done. Okay. And I think if it didn't have those, and you know, it's another testament to, very, very good actors can can push through bad dialogue. Mm. And yeah, David Harbour has loads of heart mm. and that really works to give it that. But yeah, I, I, I went wanted to go and play a PlayStation afterwards. <laughs> we haven't seen Orlando Bloom in a while. Oh, he's been busy no. doing that. Pe- not Penny Dreadful, what's it called? The, the one with the Carnival Row. Mm, oh, With, the, I don't know with that. Uh, Cara Delevingne as a pixie. Remember that? Or a fairy. Oh. Is that? No. Yeah. He's not done that much. My friend said the same thing. He's like, Do what's you, Orlando Bloom is he, seen? Is that because he's you know, a bit, or Ludo Bland, was that? And like, I wasn't, not to like rail on him, but again, no. I, I really don't think he's helped with the dialogue, yeah, but I'm not like, I don't know what place Orlando Bloom fits mm. into in lots of other things mm. currently. I don't dislike the actor. No, not at all. But maybe like, he needs a, he needs a good role. Yeah, like after, this the, isn't it. after the Hobbit stuff, which would have finished in 2014, I've not seen him do, I think he's been in a couple of like, 
thrillers. Mm. Yeah, Carnival Row. Mm. God, yeah, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean, like three of them. Mm. Yeah. So there it is. Gran Turismo. Let us know if you've seen it. Email in to hello, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Did it stay on track? Ah. Or did it go yeah. off the rails? Did it set your pulses ring? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah. There you go. It, it did feel very... I, I have felt thought of lots of films lately. I'm starting to see the studio commission yeah. sign-off for a lot of them. It, yeah. and I, I really am looking forward to watching something that doesn't feel studio sanctioned. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's just a byproduct yeah, of it. Yeah. I, did, I did see like the brands and the, 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 the deals. Yeah. <laughs> like we'll, we'll give you this much for this yeah. much. It's corporate. It is, it is there. But, you know, a, a really, really great CG. Some of the best shot, CG shots I've seen in a really long time, especially incorporated into live action. Yeah. I thought, really well done. George, it's time to go through some of the emails that we get sent. The enormous amount of emails that we've got. Thank We're, you so much for sending them in. We, we are aware that we get a lot. And with Barbenheimer, we now have a huge back catalogue. Yeah. Uh, and back, so many of them are great. Backlog. Absolutely. And what we're going to do this week, there are going to be no Barbenheimer emails read out in the main episode this week. Mm-hmm. We still have quite a few from everyone and they're all really interesting. So what we'd like to do this week is our bonus episode mm-hmm. is we're going to read out the remainder of everyone's Barbenheimer correspondence because it's really great. And a lot of people have had a chance to re- uh, rewatch the films. Now you've seen both films twice yes. now. So I've got the rewatches scheduled in. So this week's bonus episode that'll come out on Friday, that will be a more deep dive Barbenheimer correspondence. So you can look out for that. Matt writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com just like you can and says, hi, James and George slash George and James. Very sort of like diplomatic yeah, there. Just he's case. a call listener, I can tell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt here. Been listening to the show for quite some time now and I can't believe it's taken me this long to email in. For the past few years, while I've been studying, my part-time job has been working at a cinema. Nice. Yes. At most cinema, I like to know that we've got uh, people in the trenches. On the front lines. Uh, yeah, all yeah. over. Just like doing God's work, handing over the tickets. Yeah. Shushing people. Little the slushies and yeah. the nachos. The yeah. cheese sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At most cinemas, you would get a name badge with your favorite film on it. My name badge had The Secret Life of Walter Mitty on it. Mm. Any thoughts on that film? If you were to work at cinema, what film would you both get on your name badge? All the best, all the best, and keep up the good work, Matt. P.S. My unpopular opinion is The Godfather is meh. I understand it's, uh, it's this really well-made film with all these great themes and moments and actors, but it's just ridiculously boring, IMO. That's uh, probably a common unpopular opinion. Yeah, I think that's always going to happen when a film is as rated as, rated, yeah. as that. I don't think it's boring. No, so it, I think, it, I think it that, is good. It is actually quite a good film. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's got a slow pace. It's, I don't think it is slow, actually. If I think if you watch The Godfather, it really moves. I can it's tell. There's moments where that really, like in the, the hospital moment with Al Pacino, that moment really gets you going. Yeah, and, and I, it's three hours long, but I can really tell that they're barreling through a novel. Yeah. They're like, right, and it goes through the years, and then the, the yeah. Sicily. Anyway, retroactively walking Sorry. back. So... Uh, Secret but life. his his badge has got the secret life yes. of Walter Mitty on it. Any thoughts on that film? Never seen it, but you know oh. what? I, I I always liked the idea of Ben Stiller being a director, and I know he's done quite a few films, but I, I would like I'd Sarah happily Rich. watch that. Have you seen it? I have now seen it twice. I saw it when it came out, and then I want to say me and Talia rewatched it recently within a year ago because I was like, "What that film? What is that film?" Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's solid. It's fine. It's fairly interesting. There's a lot of uh, he has these dream sequences yeah. where everything goes crazy. Some of those really work, and I thought some of them really didn't. Mm. But it's uh, it really sneaks up on you, and I think it's actually quite sweet. I think also it got it was one of those films that unfairly kind of got it was given a really a big release, a yeah. really really big release. The Forrest like Gump of our generation, and, it, I, and I I remember at the time thinking I don't feel like this film 
has it has more nuance than will be able to be fitted into this yeah. broad palette. And I think it wasn't very successful. And it came out. I mean, it came out Christmas time. It just got yeah. I think it got flattened by other stuff and just didn't was underseen and didn't perform very well. Yeah. Um, but I yeah I would I would happily watch that. And actually, you know, if I do, I will, will report back. Um, to answer your question, you used to work at cinema. I, what I, film would you get I on have, your name badge? I have worked at cinema, yeah? and I did used to have a film yeah. on my badge, and it was quite. Uh, I would do it so differently now, but I was like, you know what? I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have obviously George, and then I'm going to put Before Sunset on there. And now I know not a lot of yeah. people have seen that, but I had this like romantic idea that I'll have Before Sunset on my badge, and someone will see it and they'll go, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. great yeah, films. Yeah. I get that. Even if it was one person in my entire time working there, yeah, it'd be worth it. No, it was the answer because what I ended up having was loads of people go, "Why does it say George before sunset on your on your yeah. badge? What does that mean?" What's Whereas if it was George Avatar, they thought, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they're like, "What? What do you mean before sunset? I don't understand." And I was like, "No, no, it's it's a film. Oh yeah, who's in it? Um, Ethan Hawke. Who's that? Um, oh, well, I don't know. I, I'm trying to explain to people." Who Ethan Hawke is? If you don't know who he well, is, yeah, it's actually and not, if you don't watch a lot of films, it's actually, it's quite, actually hard. quite hard. It's like, yeah. um, Gattaca, what's that? Oh god! Um, Do you want a popcorn or not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I worked on the concession stand. I was doing the popcorn and I was doing the nachos and the the ice cream and and, and stuff. Yeah, um, I remember working with a couple of people who like some of the films they had on their badge. Like one guy, I mean, he was seventeen to be fair. He, yeah. he had two guns. The film with <laughs> Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg, yeah. and I was like, "That's your favorite film?" Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, I think so." Yeah, and I was like, yeah. "Good lord, I'm out of my day." <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my answer. I uh, I should have just put the prestige. probably for that reason. I wouldn't put like an obscure an, an obscure one fine morning. I would go, for, yeah, like, <laughs> I would go for something that the worst person is, in the world, like <laughs> James, James, the worst, the worst person in the world. <laughs> that could be funny to do like a yeah. like that. I would go with like a winner that people maybe don't associate with being the best film ever, but actually love. So I'd probably go James National Treasure. Because uh, like, everyone would be like, yes, love National Treasure. And I'd be like, right, it's underrated. It's the perfect film. I'm, Even though it's not my favorite film of all time, it is yeah. a favorite of mine that I'm always happy to celebrate. I don't wish to speak ill of the massive amount of people who came to this multiplex I've worked in. Mm. But James, I think even that is is is, is, a, is expecting a level of critical <laughs> Disney engagement. Disney Channel original. I just think people go like, why are you a national treasure? What yeah. does that mean? What have you done? I, yeah, yeah what is, it's not two guns though, is it? Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. Well, like you could, my safe one would be like putting something like The Departed. Yeah, like that, that would get people. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah, really good. That. Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio in it, isn't it? Yeah, he's so good. Thank you, Matt, for that email. Next email is from Julia. Next email is from Julia, who says, "Hi, James and George. A few weeks ago, I saw a screening of 2001: A Space Odyssey, oh. written in bold with the um, the." quotation marks next to it not technically correct formatting for how you meant to reference films in text but i will accept it anyway as julia you're as fine a, as you're making weird effort. about it i'm just being <laughs> just being funny yeah. um saw it in the cinema and i was tempted to write about it and it's great that you saw it in the cinema actually that's really great we brought that up yes because a few weeks ago someone had written in and the, e- you wish the you email is titled agreeing with jonathan on a space odyssey yeah considering the email from jonathan um a few weeks ago i thought i might as well write in i realize it's nothing that hasn't been said before but i wanted to give you the opinion from someone who recently saw it on the big screen which we said you need to see on the big screen and i wish i had a chance to see it which i can do but it was the first time i saw it i'm glad i saw on the big screen because i wouldn't have finished it otherwise Mm. my cousin who saw it with me and isn't as much of a film person as i am fell asleep halfway through i found myself paying more attention to the special effects than the plot which was sparse and left the cinema feeling slightly robbed i realized 2001 is a big part of cinema history but it feels overindulgent in the slow pace amount of screen time spent showing the special effects off and long periods of classical music over a black screen or space footage 
With that said, it has beautiful shots that stuck with me over the past few weeks. However, I still agree with Jonathan that it is not an all-time great. P.S. I wanted to see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, but none of my friends were interested, so I went to the cinema alone for the first time. It was a really great experience, oh, nice. and I think your po- I thank your podcast for making me feel so comfortable to do so. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I'm loving that people are saying that, yeah. getting the confidence to go and do so, it. 2001, I will just flag, I'm aware that they're, I'm annoyed. 2001 is showing on the IMAX mm, in I a couple of weeks' time, well. but I can't make it. I'm yeah. gutted. I would love And to it was shot that. on 65 mil, so it's yeah. like IMAX before IMAX was a thing. So there is an opportunity if you're based in London. I um, think it would be really cool for us to find a time for us to both see it in cinema and you and I do like a 45 minute conversation on the film because we're getting a lot of yeah. correspondence about it, I it, is, I, it last time I saw it I saw it in the cinema oh, right, I yeah. want to see it in IMAX uh, I want to yeah. see it on that huge screen with this, that sound it would but, be fun um, it's a day after a huge wedding I'm going to yeah. and, the, and it's in the afternoon I'm not going to be in a suitable yeah, for 2001 no yeah. um i will say look, I, I i take everything that you say as, <clears throat> as fair i i yes it is slow yes it is all that stuff but i think you kind of have to almost like defocus your eyes and think about it on, on, on a bigger picture level which is that you know it was made in 1968 it's pre-star wars it's mm. it's it's the only thing around that time was like star trek but that was on tv you've got to think that it was imagining science fiction on a scale and on a canvas mm. that was completely unique. I agree that it's all Kubrick films are very cold emotionally. Yeah. You're not going to get a good plot and stuff. And I do think the best section of 2001 is the, the whole howl bit. It's so good. But the psychedelic stuff that happens, like the whole, I think it's the flight to Jupiter where it's like the, the psychedelic tunnel yeah. is brilliant. And, and, and it becomes like an art film for like yes. 20 minutes. It's like an, it's like it's, an interactive experience yeah. for your eyes. And, and it's mad. Eyes. And obviously we have seen that done better in a way and more more clearly and taken from that over the past 50 years. But at the time, that was still very important. And I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of at that intersection of like big blockbuster spectacle, but cerebral ideas, mm. but um, incredibly immaculate like design. I think there's lots of things in there, but I do, I, I, I fully accept that as a viewing experience, even in the big screen, it's a little odd and it's a little cold and it can be a little slow. Christopher Nolan, who's a huge Kubrick fan, always likes to say with his films, don't try to understand it, feel it. Or is that... Can you feel 2001 though? Well, it's Maybe. like, don't try and take... It's it's more of an approach yeah, to watching something. In... It's not like something you need to yeah, an- actually, analyze for its plot. It's, it's something you need to let wash over do you. Do you like... We're going to sound a bit wanky, but do you like abstract art? Uh, like yeah, I can painting? do. I, I don't yeah. have an affinity for it, but right. I don't, I'm not I don't like, I don't, to it. I don't... Have I don't have any real sort of affinity with abstract video art, but like I like abstract modern art from the 20th century. Yeah, Rothko, you know Pollock, all that stuff. And I agree. But when I look at that stuff, mm. I'm I I you got to switch off your logical cerebral mind. Don't try and interpret what you're seeing because it's yeah. uninterpretable. You kind of need to respond to it in a visceral visceral sense. Respond to the colors. Respond mm. to the imagery. And I think we kind of need to get that frame of mind with with 2001. But Again, I've always seen like some of the most incredible art I've seen. It's going to sound really, really wanky. Yeah. It's like at really top um, nights in London, seeing some of the best music acts in the world at like a Printworks, at mm. like a drum shed or a Glastonbury. The light shows that get put on mm. when played with music, matching the energy of mm. a crowd. It's like cinema. It's genuinely incredible to be like in a crowd to experience that energy. Mm. And you're like, yeah, this is like, this is art. This is completely mind blowing. Yeah. It, 2001 is one of those films that makes you realize that. A lot of when we talk about films and our relationship to films, we put a lot of emphasis on the viewing experience. 
which is perfectly valid. Mm. We talk about how we felt and how we responded to when we saw it. I mean, we do it a lot in our reviews and it's mm. perfectly fine, particularly because that has a huge influence on, especially when you first watch a film. But it's like, it, certain films like this, it's like, oh, if you actually just get past that step before go that, you can kind of see things in there anyway. I, I, I accept your points, Julia. I think it's perfectly fair. Mm. Um, but I still stand by that there's some stuff in there. This next one is from Shane. He says, hello, lads. I'm a TikTok recruit to the podcast all the way from Laub. Oh, Leash, pronounced Leash. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to have a listener it's, in Laub. It's, it's spelled L-A-O-I-S. I was like, Laos. But pronounced Leash. Thank you. In the Midlands of Ireland. Nice. Every Wednesday, I find myself looking for excuses to go for a spin in the car, walk the dog, go to the gym, etc., so I can get stuck into the latest installment of your podcast. Oh, that's Keep great. up the great work. Thank you. The question I have is in relation to characters or storylines that you would like to know more about and maybe prequel worthy. Some examples I have are Anton Sugar in No Country for Old Men, Oscar Isaac's character in A Most Violent Year and his beginnings in the oil, oil industry, J.K. Simmons's character in Whiplash, Jack Black's character in School of Rock, or VM Varga from the third season of Fargo. All characters that prompted me to think, how did they become the way they are? Do you think the mystery around these kind of characters is what makes them appealing, or that perhaps pulling back the curtain and revealing what's behind would remove some of their mystique? I would love to hear your opinions on this and any other examples you may have. All the best, Shane. P.S. Apologies about my lack of formatting. I have neither the time nor inclination <laughs> yes. at this particular moment in time. It's fine. <laughs> you, don't, you don't lose points for no formatting. No, you it's do, just we, like, we, oh, we acknowledge the effort that goes in when yeah, people you do. Because you have to stop writing. Mm. Like, almost go back. Especially if you're on your phone. Uh, Highlighting, highlighting, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, the thing is, a lot of those characters you mentioned, I would, don't want to see. I most like the, the time when I, I'm presented with the backstories, I go, I'd rather not, like yeah. the Wonka one. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm like, eh, but, <laughs> like especially like J.K. Simmons in, in Whiplash. Like, no, no it's I, the whole point. But what you're I need presented with a teacher, he's part of that. Yeah, and that that's world. how teachers are presented to you. They appear. Yeah. In, in that dynamic, in that power structure, and you take them for who they are, and they open up to you as little or as much as they do. And and. Prometheus and Alien Covenant has shown that oh, I don't need do not tell me. to make something scary, to make something interesting. I don't need backlog and lore and, and, yeah. and story about it. I like it when it's sparse and efficient. Um, I'd rather like, you know, all those characters you mentioned are very cool characters. I'd rather you take the the idea of that character and that dynamic mm. and you explore it in a different story. Mm. If, you're that, if that's what's inspiring you, be inspired from that mm. and write something else. Usually I don't want it. Yeah, so basically, we're, even no. though you know you're talking to someone who loved Better Call Saul, which obviously is a spin-off oh, of yeah, done a supporting very well. character, or Frasier, one of the most successful spin-offs of all time. Yeah. But um, I can't think of any ones that I've go, oh, I'd love to see a film with just just that that person. Okay, next email is from Andres, who says, "Hi, James and George. This is Andy from Buenos Aires, nice. Argentina. What's new, Buenos Aires? Do you know that? Do you know Evita, the musical?" Okay. uh, Andres has probably heard that many times and it's not anything funny anymore. Um, He says, most remote listener, question mark. I would like to say yes, but however, we've got one in Hawaii. Yeah. Mary, I believe, who listens. So, aloha to her again. Unless we have a massive Hawaii contingent that we just don't know about. What, so that makes it less remote? And there's like loads of them. Is anyone listening in Fiji or as they say yeah, Australia? I'm hoping Fiji. Fiji, like Bora Bora, like anywhere in South Polynesia, like really remote. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what Australians say? Fiji? Fiji. The, the, the emphasis is on the G. Fiji. Fiji. And we say Fiji. Fiji. Anyway, Andres says, um, th- forgive this email. My English might not be spot on. I love the podcast, of course. And you guys really know your stuff. Thank you. Oh, thank it's you. really interesting hearing about your reviews and opinions on films and shows. I have this take on action films. I wanted to know if you agree with, or maybe it's just a dumb insight. Mm-hmm. I believe that it's, it's a more certain success for an action movie when they have female lead roles. 
When it comes to women lead roles in the action genre, the action sequences have richer cinema, richer choreography. The characters and their outfit are, have, are more thought through, and the plot itself tends to be more interesting. Mm. There are not many movies with a female lead I can think of that have an empty premise or that are terribly bad, but there are heaps of movies with male action leads that are forgettable, incredibly bad, or just average. Even a female sidekick can overshadow the male lead in the genre, i.g. Hit Girl and Kick-Ass or Sarah Connor. In, I would say Sarah Connor's the main character. Yeah. Pretty much. Fine, yeah. Um, actually, it's, it's, no, whatever, it's yeah. What, what, what is it that makes a female action character more appealing? Or maybe is it just about the ratio of films with male leads that gives us more variety in terms of quality? I would love to give more examples, but I'm already going on for far too long. I'd love to hear your opinion, guys. And which is your favorite female character in an action movie? Abrazo, which I assume is a nice uh, Argentinian way of signing off, sent from the bottom of my heart. Oh, that's wonderful. That really got us there. Um, it's, it's true. When you talk about female action, Rose, the immediate one you go is Sarah Connor, Ellen Ripley, right? Or the, the bride. Or the bride. Yeah. I think that just to go on your argument there, you could bit, say like Andres. the eight Resident Evil films. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that because it is a male dominant action films are a male dominated space. That when you do have a female lead, mm. I do read it's almost like there's more. It stands, it stands out, and there has been more thought put into it. Also, when you say the choreography is better, I I don't know whether I was going to say like. <laughs> I don't know. I was just saying women are better dancers than men, but I think actually you have loads of fantastic male dancers as well. Yeah, so. John Travolta's out there. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> Shandy! Shandy. Um, I don't... The thing is, I haven't, I haven't seen... Was Alita Battle Angel any good? Well, that was like half female. CGI, wasn't it? Yeah. It I haven't female. seen Atomic Blonde. I haven't seen Red no. Sparrow. So I'm not... I'm, I think probably what it just is is that there's an un, under amount. Uh, there's a limited... Uh, there's a not enough... There's a, what the word am I looking for? There's a paucity of female-led action roles, and we could do with more of them. I don't know if there's a I don't think there's a hidden formula. No, I wouldn't say casting a, a female in your mate is your in your is your lead. I think gonna, it's it, it, always more interesting. Oh, Haywire, that's the other one. You know, with Gina Carano. Was Wonder Woman that much better? Mm, Maybe than the other DC films, Wonder Woman one was. Maybe just. In fact, female characters are also very interesting, you know, just as much as men. So yes, like, but they, they all, we, we can also, are... women are also really let down by bad, simplistic writing in a lot of films. Mm. So I don't think, like, it's usually a woman in the main role improving the writing of women, or is it usually if, if the protagonists are male and women are put on the sidelines, is that where women get really hard done by? I don't know. I but don't James, know. do you have a favourite female action lead? Is it Sarah Connor? No, I'd probably, I'd probably go with The Bride. I'd be like, oh, that, yeah. that action in that is great. Yeah, that's and great. She, that she's a really crazy 88 sequence. Yeah. And um, I, can't, I don't know the actress's name, but from um, House of the Flying Daggers. Right. She's blind, but she's awesome. That's cool. Mm. And she like, she she can't see, but Everything she- Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Oh yeah. Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she, she can't see in House of Flying Daggers, but she can hear really well because, nice. you know, blind powers. And she, <laughs> she's, yeah, she's, yeah. there's this fight scene and- she puts her stick on the ground to feel the vibration of where they're standing. Nice. That's cool. This next one is from Lizzie, who writes in. Uh, subject, uh, subject says, hiya. Hiya. And it goes on to say, hello, gents. Hi. Lizzie from New Zealand here. We finally got Finally. One. We finally had a New Zealand New listener. Zealand. Okay, I'm glad about that. I'm if sure you, there's more, but I... we just drill a hole right now. <laughs> That's how it works. That's her. Yeah. If uh, we do the 2003 movie, The Core, starring yes. Aaron Eckhart, <laughs> yeah. we will Let's reach straight through New we Zealand. We will reach Lizzie. We'll just come in her living room. Yeah. <laughs> Lizzie from New Zealand here. Love the pod. Have been listening 
since last year, but still only up to episode uh, 59. It's interesting that people do this. They'll, 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 they'll get hooked. And they go back. They treat it like a like a like a an actual series of TV. Yes. Like, and oh, be like, oh, I'm still catching up. Yeah. I'm still catching up, but I want, to... I want to fill in all the blanks. Yeah, it's interesting that you want to like you start a podcast, but you're like, I need to know everything. I want to see George's character development. <laughs> How does he like his tea? I must I must know. Is he glasses on today or glasses off? <laughs> yeah. Do you think when they go back and there's like a meal, they're like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? <laughs> Um, I'm listening to last year. It's only up to episode 59. Like James, I think Home Alone 3 is wonderful. Personally, it's wow. my favorite of the franchise, but that might just be because it was the only one we owned growing up. That is probably why I also love it. Uh, another controversial opinion, I also like Tax or Ridge. Lizzie, I feel so validated that you have written in and said that you like Home Alone 3. You're the only person in the world who's yeah. gone. I always say it, and people like in groups at parties are like, what, Home Alone 3? And I'm like, no, it's really good. Uh, Axel Ridge, yeah, fine. Axel Ridge, I'll, I'll never not get uh, people right. But she would have probably recently re- listened yeah, to yeah, the yeah. episode where I went off on it. In a minute, she's going to write in and go, you guys went to the Crown premiere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I listen to you guys at work and I have to keep a notepad close by to jot down all the movies you mentioned that interest me. Oh. So far, you've inspired me to watch the first two Godfather films and I'm planning to watch the Offer TV show. Yes. A question for you. Should I watch the third one and round it off or leave it at that? I've heard the third one is not nearly as good and ruined it for some watches. Thanks so much and leave you to have a film. <laughs> Thanks so much and I leave you with a film for Caster's Countdown. I will do it later. Okay. We'll do it later. Don't look at the email. Um, great, but George, uh, you've spoke about the three Godfathers. Yeah. I want to say I've only, probably like forty episodes ago. I know, but, but like I, you know, I haven't seen. I've seen both Godfathers, the first two, like quite a few times. I haven't seen part three in a very long time. And actually, I would like to watch it as an adult. In terms of whether you need to see it, like do the first two, yeah, do the offer. I think the important thing to thing is first of all, it, it we've we've moved on. It, the, the part three came out in the early nineties. Like it's been thirty years since then. So that era where it was the joke that part three let the whole series down. Yeah, it's kind of moved past it now. And I wouldn't be. I think it's been reappraised by some people and said, you know, it's not actually a bad film. It just yeah. couldn't compare and couldn't connect with the other two. And also importantly, now they've changed. My, um, Francis Ford Coppola has changed it and, and, and to what he always wanted it to be. He said he didn't mm. want it to be part three. It's not because it's not part three. Part one and part two very much closely follow each other. He said it was a coda. It was a separate film about Michael Corleone. And that's mm. why it's called now The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone, I think it's called, which is the, that's the full title, right? I've like got, they are literally at the top of my thing to get done because I have, I was, I was, you know, I was very sick of like studio films. I really want to like, I actually yeah. do still have an appetite to watch stuff. It's not that I was sick of the cinema. I was yeah. like sick of like having to see stuff, which is like a, no, like a really nice problem to have. And it was like after Mulholland Drive, I have either, I want to watch, Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist, which I keep hearing amazing about. Oh, yeah, I watched about, that, yeah, which influenced The Godfather. Which has yeah. influenced like, loads of filmmakers' yeah. films. So I'd love to do that and do a little chat on it, or I want to go and do one, two, and three, we'll rewatch one, do two and three, and then potentially go and watch The Offer. But I need to see if Talia's interested in doing it. If not, I have to like silo myself off for like three hours at a time to yeah. watch two and three. Man's, man's reach exceeds his grasp. Yeah, None and I'm going to become the guy from, from Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let me explain the Godfather yeah. to you. Obviously, I wouldn't explain it, but I'm like very aware. That, like, do you think we should watch the Godfather? It's the, th- the thing with me. Like, I 
because my, so my girlfriend just became embarrassed there recently. Yeah, congrats, congrats, yeah, congrats to her. And uh, we, I was like, and time. obviously because I only think in terms of films and TV shows, I was like, that's great. You should watch Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, I'm up for it. But then, and then she was like, but shouldn't I need to watch Breaking Bad? I was like, oh yeah, I guess. And then I was like, wait, we could do it. We talked oh, about that'd it. that'd be great. So that would be 11 seasons worth of TV <sighs> plus a TV movie in El Camino. And we're yes. up for doing it. But I'm like- if we do this, that's a year's over a year's worth of yeah, content. You Any guys, new shows that come out, yeah. White Lotus season three or whatever, can't that's going to interrupt yeah, that. Yeah. So it's a real undertaking, and it's like, can we actually do it? Or what I'd hate for us to get like three seasons into Breaking Bad and then not. I'm always trying to push it. a few good men to, as a rewatch on Talia. Oh, like, that's got, easy watch. Oh yeah, it's an easy watch. I'm like, oh, oh legal law. film. Yeah, yeah, legal film. Yeah, We're like that. the most ridiculous screaming in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the number of times Talia's like, this would never happen. It's a military court though. It is. Oh, yes. They're a bit testosterone fueled. And also, also, hang on. American courts are different. Not they to, are a bit, yeah. Not to lambast any American listeners. I meant that. Because you are the girl But if you see clips of like, you know, like the Gwyneth Paltrow like case and the Amber Heard stuff, it's just like, what the? When Talia was training to be a lawyer, and I was like, are you saying? Sorry, you can clarify. James is other half of my the half of both no, barristers, barristers now, which yeah. is crazy. When I was like, are you saying in the British, because the British court system is very uh, yeah. British and like reserved, you're saying you can't just get up and walk around and go, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, yeah. it's not a stage. I am horrified. It's like, yeah. firstly, you can't stand up and walk around. You can't approach the bench. You can't tell the jury what you think yeah. as yeah. a lawyer. Like, you're like, I always think like Jimmy Cochran in, um, uh, uh, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I Johnny, Cochran, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Cochran, Cochran, and he's just got completely like giving yeah. his his how he feels about the case. Like mm. it is not it does not interest the court what yeah. you the lawyer think yeah. emotionally about the case. I'm like that's just ridiculous. When uh, I like to think if I ever went to court, I'd go, Your Honor, I'll be representing myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um I think I said this before, but uh, when Anna was you know in her training last year, I was like, well, you need to see you know yeah legal stuff. So yeah. we watched liar, <laughs> we watched liar liar Perfect. and my cousin Vinny as like yeah. a as like a double bill. Yeah. We could do a whole playlist. Trial of the Chicago Seven, also great. That yeah, came sure. out recently. Seen okay. it recently. This next email is from Joe, who says, "Big up the Pulp Kitchen, massive." Thank you very much. Amazing series on Apple TV at the moment, a series called Bad Sisters, starring Sharon Horgan, one of your favorites, Catastrophe. She delivers an unbelievable performance and what is a psychodrama whodunit set in Ireland. It has 100% and Rotten Tomatoes and absolutely deserve it. I have nice. heard about Bad Sisters. Uh, here's the premise. The series relies heavily on interpersonal dynamics, especially power play and manipulation. The core characters are five sisters and their respective partners, and one partner, in particular, JP, the husband of Grace. The stage is set when it comes to light that Grace is clearly in an emotionally abusive relationship with JP, who poses himself as a significant member of the local society while behaving like a monster behind closed doors. After some deliberation, the sisters decide to do something about this. Uh, I hope this is, I think this is the premise. I hope this isn't the spoiler, but I'm reading it anyway. After Grace wakes up to find her husband dead, the family are pursued by the, this feels like it's a lot of information, but I hope it's not a spoiler. The family are pursued by the broke insurance firm that hold JP's life insurance policy, who are sniffing out for foul play to avoid paying out. I won't say much more, but it is absolutely fantastic and a must watch. Me and my partner binged it in three days. It was absolutely brilliant. Keep up the great work, lads. Love the content. Joe from Milton Keynes. Have you heard about Bad Sisters? No. I've heard about that. I've, I've heard it's great. I... Look forward to watching that. Doesn't sound too dissimilar from Big Little Lies, which I also really loved. Nice. Did you watch Big no, Little Lies? Great, great season. Things. Great first season. Yeah. Second season exists and is fine, but doesn't need to be there. <laughs> it exists. It's there. It's there. Next email. This last one is from the Irish correspondent, the OG, Bevan. Oh, 
A uh, Bevan Nation army couldn't hold uh, me back. I used to have a job, but then I found a job. A Bevan knows I'm miserable now. Subject. Learn my life. Very good. A long time no email, yes, says Bevan. Always a welcome. Hey, thing. boys. No names, just boys. Boys. I'm on a boys sort of yeah, terms. I'm Bevan's boys. boys. Bevan's boys. I hope you're both doing well. Been loving the pod recently, especially the extra eps on a Friday. Guys, go check them yeah, out. I'm you. always worried that maybe Bevan's like, you know, I'm maybe amazing. she I'm just in... grow, grown up, grown up, moved uh, on. You but, know, you come in and out. She was such a huge part of the show. I always wonder, is she still out there? But... And, what, she and she'd be like on a train platform one day and she'd see someone laughing, listening to the show. And she'd yeah, go, she'd go, she'd do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Richard Gere mid, mid, mid to step. Gets on the train one foot, looks aside. Yeah. And goes, hmm. I, I fucking ran that show back in the day. <laughs> Sweet Disposition plays in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, she's always giving us lots of love on social media. As you guys can too. Don't forget to give us saying you guys got to listen. So I do, I do always know secretly you're, you're out there listening. Especially the extra apps on a Friday, an essential pre-weekend pick-me-up. Nice. It's been a little while since I last wrote in, but I've been thinking about I've been thinking a lot about a mode of storytelling that I've seen displayed in film and whether or not it's been successful or not. I watched Air, which gave which mm. I gave three out of five stars on Letterboxd, much to my disappointment as a huge Matt Damon fangirl, and I noticed something. This film is aggressively set in the 80s. <laughs> Throughout the film, an excessive amount of expositional media from the 1980s is shoved in the viewer's face in an attempt to make it clear of the era we're in. It was one of my biggest bugbears with the films because it felt so forced and so unnecessary at times. I then watched The Big Show Short, 2015, and she's, I will say, bold, uh, quotation marks, the single quotation marks, italicized with brackets year. Very good. So, Bevan, yeah, you get to Do you know, technically in, in film studies, the way to write, I mean, that's, I love yes. it. Yes. All formatting is accepted. It's great. But you know, you understand, like, the listeners are like, yeah. Technically, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you don't italicize or bold in an academic essay, but it's no. like, you write the film, then you put in brackets the year, mm. and then sometimes you do, or you do bracket year, comma, D-I-R dot for director yes. and then the name of the director. Similar to Close bracket. you're citing a novel. I guess. Literature. I think it was the same for literature. It's been a while since I've, I brushed up on how to do my footnotes properly. Yeah, yeah how to do my referencing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, then I watched The Big Short and I noticed that the use of media slash exposition to inform the audience of the era was done perfectly. I was wondering if yous had any opinions on this or had any, or had any more examples of good slash bad movie era setups. Also, I was with my sister and we both share an uncommon comfort film. One of our favourite comfort films to watch is The Social Network. We've seen it countless oh. times and it never gets old. Both of us agree that this is a bit of a rogue choice for a comfort film but i reckon it's because the writing is so slick that we feel almost taken care of by the story that we are merely spectators mm. watching the story collapse in front of us i was wondering if yous have any other any unconventional comfort films like us or are we just a bit weird look forward to hear from you soon lots of love bev and kiss um, i totally get that with the social network i've yeah. seen it multiple times but i think because of that it's like the safety of a really well executed fast-paced yeah. story that, that and it's still good. Still good to see it all sort of build there's up. There's no. There's also there's no fat on that film. No, it's a very lean, taut. Every single bit of real estate is used. The script barreling you through. It's a. It's an ending that actually isn't like. Uh, it doesn't sort of. It's not a happy ending. It's not a sad ending. It's kind of just interesting and deep, mm -hmm. and it leaves you with something to think it's about. A, well, it's. I would. It's kind of. In the vaguest possible terms, tragic. Yeah. It's a tragic ending. So it's not sad, but it's got this kind of very beautiful tragedy. I'd love a sequel. I'd love a I sequel. I still think... I really want I they could do it and make it know, work and like just like it, co put context where social media is now. There's so much interesting stuff to cover. Isn't it funny though? I, I just think that even in the wake of something like Oppenheimer, 
that I still think the study of a difficult person mm-hmm. at the helm of something that is ultimately society, world-changing yeah. event, I still think the bloodline goes back up to the social network. Yeah, yeah. You, I, know. I know you, you, can, you could make a double bill with Oppenheimer, but I think the social network just has... Someone with no... Uh, like doing something incredible with no sense of the implications of what they're yeah, making. With, an, with a, an emotionally complicated... Yeah, um, flawed. Yeah, individual. It's yeah, hard. I can see that with a. a, a un, uh, sorry, is that is like it, the, the equivalent of um, him talking to Rooney Mara in the opening? Is like Oppenheimer mm. poisoning the apple. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah, the equivalent yeah. Scene. Like this is kind of strange and uh, unhinged. Um, and then the other question of talking about the eighty stuff in air. Uh, you know what, Bevan? I disagree. I found that. Yes, it was overwhelming and it was a lot. And I can imagine they paid a lot for all sorts of like advertising stock images. But in air, which I agree, the, the, the flair and the hair and the outfits, yeah. Ben Affleck's athleisure is, is a part. Is it like um, very David O'Russell-y? Like, look at all our wigs and costumes. It's a, it's a period piece. <laughs> Ish, but I found like there was a real contrast between Ben Affleck in the most like pristine 80s Nike mm. like matching tracksuits compared to Matt Damon who wore like slouchy jeans, mm. a sort of slightly overwashed polo shirt and horrible black loafers mm. in like a sports company. I, I enjoyed that contrast in their mm. approach. It wasn't about, Matt Damon's character was about like finding the actual talent underneath mm. all, the, all the clothing and the, and the color. So I kind of get it. And then that, that first flash of 80s, I did want to know where we were in the 80s and what was happening in pop culture and what mm. was important and what was, re- what was relevant. Mm. And I got this good splash of being like, yes, we're here. This is where shoes are. This is where cultures are. Also, it's about something that is, has its place in pop culture. Yes, right. like, so, like the, the shoe, Michael Jordan, the, the yeah. Jordan shoe became iconic. Like the biggest clothing brand of all time. That's me doing the swoosh. But I, I, I can understand what you mean. And then, uh, what did you say about Big Short? Don't see me next that does it quite well. It's done it perfectly. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It also does it very well. Um, George, do you have a film that you think you could watch loads of times that represents a comfort film to you? Aliens. Again, this is like good films. Yeah, Aliens. Aliens. Yeah, that's good. Probably like that, yeah. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, I guess, yeah. is another one. Because it's like, it's so so really much happening. You just kind of feel like, oh, I can put this on. It take, take care of me. Three hours, not a problem. Just smash I by. could do a whiplash because I think that's got a really good Yeah. Ending. I, I, I like to limit how much I watch Whiplash because I don't ever want to break the spell. You've just watched it fairly recently. About well, a year ago, you? yeah. yeah so you're so good for another couple of years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, and I mean, you know, in the way that you have like a nice bottle of spirit in your, in your drinks cabinet. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to drink this too often, otherwise the bottle will run out. Yeah, yeah. I want to, like Especially I did with Glorious occasions. Bastards, that's what I was saying yeah, yeah, before. Should, should run that dry. Yeah. So I need to just savor it. Why are you laughing? That's a good <laughs> no, I, analogy. I'm not. I think it's a good analogy, so I laugh. Uh, Bevan, thank you so much for writing. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Don't forget, if you want to write in your emails, you can do. You send them into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we, read them out on the show. We always read them when they come into the inbox. You can rest assured that our eyes have definitely danced across your words. 100%. For sure. We just have a lot to get through and we'll have more to read out next week and we look forward to reading those out. And like I mentioned, bonus episode this week, we're going to be reading out all your Barbenheimer stuff. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, let's move on to the games. George, as always, well, recently, sometimes, Pop Kitchen ends with a game. We are going to play two rounds of Cast List Countdown. The classic. The classic. I enjoy these games. They're good fun. They're often revealing, often hard, sometimes 
Interesting. Wow. You, where did you go? <laughs> I just went, you just looked into the heart of IMDb and were just like, I there's so many casts. I listened to this uh, story of this guy who did not ayahuasca, but like toad, like, like a real like psychedelic, like a DMT type thing. And he was saying that he did it and spent six months in another realm with and like had a new family. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah and then he came back after like 20 minutes and was like everyone's like what happened was it good and he was like i spent six months in another reality <laughs> i just think that is just insane, that is insane. despite that, that uh, george yeah. are it's... you ready to play some games to take it home to carry us home for the show this is the cast list countdown game i'm going to read a cast in order of least important to lead star and george has to, has to guess what film i'm talking about before i get to the end bring it on george are you ready i am ready you have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Three, two, one. Joel Edgerton. Okay. Ken Stott. Okay. Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, Ray Winston. Oh. Hugh Dancy. Okay. Stellan Skarsgård. Yoan Grifford. Griffith, I think. Kira Knightley. Gosh. Last one, Clive Owen. Clive Owen, Kira Knightley. Yoan Griffith, Stellan Stars, Garsgard, Hugh Dancy, Ray Winston, Mads Mikkelsen, Ken Scott, Joel Edgerton. Is this a like period piece? Period film? Mm, no. It's not technically. Like, it's not like, is it like a robot? It is. is it fancy? Wait, is it fancy? King Arthur from 2004. Oh, yeah, period. I, was, I mean, no. I, know, I, I was going to say something like Centurion or like like one of those films. Yeah. No. Oh, wow, but okay. I think the part of this film was like the legend you know, the true story based on the legend you know. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, that oh, film wow. has got a really good that cast. That is a really good cast. Clive Owen, wow. Kira Knightley, Yoan Griffith, Stellan Skarsgård, Hugh Dancy, Ray Winston, Mads Mikkelsen, Ken Stott, Joel Edgerton. That's a that's a, solid. a forgotten film though, and that's why I chose oh, it. Because who's thinking about the Clive? Yeah, Owen, that's a really good point. Rob, uh, King Arthur film. If you find a forgotten film with a great cast, that's why this game works. And I think this was the round of films post Gladiator, like Kingdom oh, yeah. of Heaven, Robin Swords Hood. Sandals. Yes, uh, sort of catching up on that sort of hype. A very blue film, very cold. Oh yeah, yeah. It was really, films like, were kind of blue and orangey. Blue. Yeah, in those, yeah. those days, really went for it on that slider. <laughs> Next up, George, last one. Is this the one we had in the email? Yes, this okay. is the one we had in the email, which I hope you haven't looked at. No, I haven't, but you, Ready? Me- you mentioned it earlier, and I'm glad we got some listeners' ideas. Yeah, sending them in, because if they're good, they're good. Right, I like this film. You have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Celia Imry. Okay. Bernard Hill. Austin Nichols. Um. Sam Neill. Sam Neill. James McAvoy. Nikolai Costa-Waldo. John Favreau. Kirsten Dunst. Last one, Paul Bettany. I've not seen, I've not seen, I I, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know, honestly, I don't know. From, I want to say 2005, Wimbledon. Oh, a I've good not seen film. It. I've never seen it. That's Wimbledon a great good. John Favreau. Wow. John Favreau's in there. Is, yeah. is it? Is it good? I think it's good. I think it's fun. I like Wimbledon. Wow. I yeah. Don't know. Is it? It's a rom com, right? Yeah. Okay. 
It's like he's a. It's, it's a completely unrealistic. He's story. overserved. He's like uh, ranked seventy. Can something. they find love? Yeah, he's ranked seventy something, and he. It's his last ever Wimbledon that he's going to do. Right. And he uh, develops an unlikely romance with like Kirsten Dunst, who plays like she's like the U.S. number one. Right. And as they start to fall in love, it really improves his tennis, but really like deteriorates uh, hers. Okay. <laughs> and um, he goes on to win Wimbledon in the end. Oh, don't, I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, why come on. It's called Wimbledon. He's no, gonna... I didn't know that she could have gone oh, on and won it. Oh, for God's sake. I would have gone and won I was literally oh, just thinking, oh, I'm, I, I could, I could <laughs> go watch James, that. James, James McAvoy before. Oh, it doesn't matter now. It's got doesn't James. Matter. Oh, you can still enjoy it now he goes on to win Wimbledon. Um, James McAvoy is in it before he was like the James McAvoy, James McAvoy that we know as James McAvoy. But he's in it and he's great. He's really he, funny. Yeah, I feel like James McAvoy, let's just say it one more time, James McAvoy, yeah. was rebooted by X-Men. Yeah. You know, he had his he had his atonement bit. He had his Mr. Tumnus. Atonement, surely, Mr. I thought, would have brought him out. But this was same, a similar year as Atonement. When did Atonement come out? 2007. So maybe this was just before Atonement. I feel like he did Atonement and it was like, oh, he is an actor. Yes. He is to be in films. And so. would you like to be a superhero actor? Yes, <laughs> here is Professor X. Mm. Yeah. What was the last thing he did? He last did something on TV, I think. Yeah, I mean, oh, he does a lot of theatre as well. I think. Oh yeah, he's, he's a great like, actor. He's like, done Hamlet, Hamlet, hasn't he? They've all done it. They've all done it. They've all done it. Do something it. else. Yeah, we've heard it. Oh. We're not like not always doing Hamlet, is he? Great. Alas, poor Yorick. <laughs> we don't know he did Hamlet. Which no, is no, no, we should see. We've done it. We just find. I'm just going to find out. James McAvoy's done Hamlet. James McAvoy Hamlet, Scottish play. He would have definitely done it. No, the Scottish play is Macbeth. <laughs> no, oh, easy done Macbeth. Probably, yeah. He's pretty easily done Macbeth. Yeah, he's done Macbeth. He, lo- he, he looks very Macbeth. Macbethy. He's yeah. he's so much more. Oh, he did it with Claire Foy. Oh, as Lady Macbeth. Oh, that sounds good. Nice. I would have liked that. What year? Um, 2013. Mm. So oh, right. okay, yeah. yeah, I would fancy that bit of. <laughs> I take it all back. Why are you talking like <laughs> you're a geezer at the pub I about don't know. this 10-year-old play? I, don't oh, know. I love the bit. That. I love James that. McAvoy, Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. The crowns. Oh, the bit where she can't wash the blood oh, off yeah. her hands. When, did, crown, when did the crown start? Uh, 2016. So it's pre, pre-crown. Yeah, Claire she was Foy. around though. Yeah. But she wasn't like big. She did, she, she did done Little Dorrit and then she was just like in stuff. And then <laughs> you know, she, she was, was in like, Wolf Hall that brought her back up to the thing. And then she got the crown off the back of that. Well, guys, there you go. Those are the games for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for spending your time with us. Guys, if you haven't clicked like and subscribe, I'm just going to say, if you're listening on your audio and you don't subscribe to us on Spotify, hit that button. It really makes a big difference. Pull over right now and then do it. Right on the hard shoulder. Just... If you're at Put your work, hazards on. Stop. Look yeah. up. Scream. And when all your colleagues are like, uh, Susan, yeah. you can't just scream at the office, you could be like, well, I wasn't subscribed. And maybe you should be too. Yeah. Don't forget, we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday. And we have bonus content coming out on Friday, as we do every single week. And um, yeah, James has basically said the bit I usually Sorry, say. Sorry, I just, just like to do it. change it up. Yeah, we can just, it up. just do it. And just, you know, follow us on socials because we post updates and stuff like that. Um, I still use Letterboxd. I post a little bit, mm. but you can follow us on there. That's the sort of the proxy pulp kitchen place. Follow our Instagram and our TikTok. We post fun stuff on there, life updates. And, (laughs) you know, you might be listening and and don't really listen to us or watch us on YouTube, but you might have a YouTube account. Just go in and subscribe anyway. Give our videos a like. And we're just going to sign off like a regular British newscaster. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Today we'll be talking about Grand Turismo. you signed off like Sky News. I'll do the BBC News. That's all from us, the BBC News at 10. Take well.
Love that. Good night. Yeah. And we'll be here for the. Well, no, it's like. And uh, Beth Rigby on a Sunday will be back next week. Do And then we've got to do the bit where we talk no, to each other. Have the, a the microphones are off. I'd love it if we did. Uh, yeah, that's a, I love it if we um, if we ever did news properly. If we got like a real like news jingle, like dun 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 dun